We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. We're going to go to the mailbag next, Ryan, and I want to dive into this. But before we do, uh, please hit that like button, folks. Hit that subscribe button. Hit the notification bell. Share this podcast. Ryan, we'll kick things off. Uh, we had some questions about it, but we told people we're going to talk about it. I want to talk about the loss that our name had on the recruiting trail yesterday. Yep. See, Elijah Page decommitted from their name. Based on most of the intel we have, we think he's probably going to end up at, at USC right now, but there's some other schools kind of making a run at him. Uh, let's just give kind of a background. There's a couple different factors that went into this. It's not just Notre Dame's bet. I don't think this had as much to do with Notre Dame being one and two as people mm-hmm. think. Uh, I think there's some other things that went on, went into. It. I think results this year have mattered, but not the Notre Dame results as much. So Ryan, let's kind of let's kind of give into some of the reasons why. I'll say this: we did not expect this to happen until the day of. Mm-hmm. We did not get in inkling. Although Ryan, you had a little bit of concerns because Elijah has always been very receptive and responsive to you. Last couple yep. weeks, he hasn't been. He hasn't mm-hmm. responded to your texts and calls, so that's always a little bit of a concern. And, of course, yesterday we got word that he was going to eventually decommit, which he did. And uh, so let's let's talk about that a little bit. Yeah, I mean, I mean, first and foremost, it's a massive loss for Notre Dame, right? Like, we're not going to paint the paint the, br- the brush of like, hey, this, this isn't that big of a deal. Notre Dame can recover. Can they recover? Maybe. We'll see what happens. But ultimately – me and Brian have spoke very glowingly about our opinions of Elijah Page. This is the only true left tackle, I think, that was in the Notre Dame class, right? So 6'7", 300 pounds out of pinnacle, really talented football player. I, I, and whoever ends up with Elijah Page, I think, is going to get a ter- terrific football player who's going to continue to develop and be a great player down the road. The, the reasonings behind this, what we're told, is the biggest concern, well, the biggest reason – was the distance aspect. That's what he's right? saying. Now, yes. we did have Brandon said that he told us he on this show when he committed that distance wasn't a factor. But again, he he's, a, he's a teenager. Kids can change their mind. And you've got schools telling him how important it is. And I think that's a big yes. a big factor here. But 100%. just for context. Yeah. yeah. No, no. And Brandon, I, I saw you put that on the board too. And, and you're right. He, he I, I literally asked him about that on the show. So you're right, Brandon. He, he did. Ultimately, though, the reasoning is that is what he's kind of put out there. And then also we think that there's some things with like, you know, 
a couple programs have kind of been ascending and the depth chart might be a little more favorable for him yeah. to play. Ultimately. USC, for example, has really been hammering. We need tackles now. Notre yes. Dame's Fisher and Alt are sophomores. Most linemen stay four years. They have Emil Wagner, who was a top 100 recruit last year. They got Charles Jagasaw in this class. They're telling Sullivan Absher he's going to be an offensive tackle. Dude, that's a deep depth chart, right? Yeah. You come here, you can play right now. That factored in as well from what we were told. The USC was the team that was, was pushing that angle the most, and yeah. it worked. It did work. Yeah, and I mean, ultimately, it's it's a it's a tough blow for Notre Dame. But again, you know, it's – I really want to say this because I had a couple conversations on Twitter with a couple folk, Brian. Pete, look, nobody is going to agree with it on this channel, right, because we're all Notre Dame supporters, right? I get it. You, you disapprove and you don't think that he's making the right decision. I'm fine with that. Mm-hmm. But – the point blank period is, is that ultimately it is Elijah Page's decision. Sure. So while you think that he may be making the wrong one, in his mind, there is a better opportunity potentially out there for him, right? So we've talked about the factors. It's a tough blow for Notre Dame. But ultimately, Elijah Page came on the show. And he's a really respectful kid, and he's a good kid. And he's making a decision that some of us probably don't like, and that's fine. But at the end of it, he's a good kid who's trying to find the best fit for him. I wish Elijah the best, and I know that he's going to be a terrific football player, but unfortunately, it's just not going to work out at Notre Dame. Yeah. I mean, I don't ever root against kids. I don't like it. I don't like the timing of it. I, you know, just kind of reeks of like, okay, you know, things aren't going great and you're you're bailing. It is what it is. But in the reality is nobody should ever be tweeting things at a kid other than, hey, man, bummer, best of luck to you. I mean, just, 100%. And it's just the reality of it. But he, he thinks he's making the best decision. I don't agree with that, but – you know, it is what it is. It's all good. I don't think that makes him a bad kid. I mean, I, I made dumb dec- I made the wrong college decision coming to high school. So, I mean, we all we all we all do dumb things. Not dumb things. But we all do things that we look back and say, you know, probably should have done this or this. But yes, he's, I, I mean, he's, I I made I made I made a college decision based upon trying to stay home and being close to a girlfriend coming sure. out of high school. I did. It's it's a thing. I mean, it wasn't directly for the girlfriend, but like you know, that had a factor. There's a factor in it. Yeah. Oh boy, it's not your current wife though, right? Or no, is it? it's okay. not my current okay. wife. No. So you 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 uh you lucked out that that didn't work out. But anyway, so uh, Ryan, so it it is a loss. It is a loss. I mean, we we could sit here and spin this. Oh no, big deal. Uh, yes, the offensive line class is still very good. Yeah. Uh, Charles Jagasaw is a top hundred player. Sullivan Absher is a top hundred caliber player. Joe Oddings. I mean, all their linemen are ranked as top fifty two fifty players by at least one service. It's still a good class. But here's the reality of it. They needed a pure left tackle in this class, and they're not going to get one as of right now. I don't, I don't, I mean, Ryan will have an article up later tonight that kind of looks at a couple guys he would look at, you know, evaluates a few guys that he would look at that have that skill set. But, you know, I think Sullivan Absher, and we were asked about this in, in the chat earlier. Somebody asked about uh, Sullivan Absher and, and Charles J- uh, Jagasaw. Look, I think Charles Jagasaw is a better player than, than, than uh, Elijah Page. Uh, I do, but I think Elijah Page is a very good football player. Very good football player with yes. a ceiling incredibly high, and the the positional value is the thing for me that that makes him a a really good fit for for what Notre Dame needed. So that's a blow. It is a blow, and we did think he was a top one hundred and fifty ish caliber player at Notre Dame. There's no question about it. So we're not going to spin this. There's no spin of it. It's a loss. Yes. It's a blow. You had the kid committed for a while, and you weren't able to hold on to him, and it's a blow. It is, and but. Honestly, 
from what I've been told, he is not focused on, you know, what Notre Dame's offense is looking like. But even if it's not consciously, I have a hard time believing that what they're seeing isn't somewhat subconsciously in kids' minds. It, it just, I have a hard time believing that it's just not a factor at all. You know what I mean, right? I just, yeah. I just I have a hard time with that. Well, I, just, I, I would I say this, that. Brian, like the, the, look, the, the distance away from home stuff, like I'm sure that that's always been on Elijah's mind, but the simple fact of like Notre Dame underperforming probably makes that an easier decision to go to, right? right. Like an easier thing that I don't necessarily think it's a fallback. I just think it's like, it becomes a bigger issue when things aren't going well is how I right. kind of picture it. So, right. It makes those other factors more impactful. Yes. Is basically what it does. You know, if Notre Dame's still rolling, then maybe you say, hey, look, man, you know, you sure you want to step away from this? But now it's kind of like, well, yeah, I do. I'm okay with that. And with USC playing well, it doesn't help. Now, it's again, it's early yet for Notre Dame, but for these kids, it's it's a different – they're going to look at it differently. So that's just the reality of where they are. So it is a loss. Notre Dame's going to have to bounce back. And, and um, here's the question I have for you, Ryan. I personally – Think right now, if if from what I have been told, they really like what they've seen early on from Elijah from Emil Wagner. Sure, I think obviously with Tosh Baker still having multiple years of eligibility left, and the fact that that neither Alt nor Fisher have necessarily so far lit the world on fire to the degree where maybe you're as concerned about possibly maybe one of them at least for sure is now going to have a better shot of being a four year guy. I think you know you 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 don't have to get a left tackle in this class. It's a loss not to get one, but it's not as bad of a loss as maybe as as it would have been. I don't. I think I would I would I would look for kids. I would not yes. shut it down, but I force the issue either. I wouldn't take a kid that I didn't think had a chance to be a pretty good player. Like I'm not taking a left tack a depth guy. Mm-hmm. If I find a kid that that I think's got a seal, if I can find if there's a Joe Wald out there somewhere. That's a three-star kid that's not ranked real high, but you're like, whoa, this kid's got some skills. Go for him. Or if there's a high upside kid or a talented high-ranked kid that that you think fits that mold, that you know maybe there's a. I mean, you always look around. So hey, look, if this staff's on the hot seat, this this team has this, or this coach may leave. We really like this kid that's committed to such and such school, and we think that coach might leave at the end of the year. There's always got to be kids on your radar, but I just don't want them to force the issue. They don't have to take a fifth tackle. Four yeah. was the number they needed. So they got their number need where this is a loss is from a specific position need within the offensive line. Yeah. And so I'm not I'm not taking a project at left tackle unless it's a Joe Alt type of project at left tackle. I agree. So with you. yeah, that's I, uh, I, 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 w- I wouldn't press the issue. I mean, to your point, right? It's it's not like you're you're sitting with two guys right now and you had a numbers issue at the spot. I think that there are, I do think just kind of researching a little bit just you know over last like yesterday that there are a couple kids that are intriguing and a couple guys that I would definitely do my homework on but to your point Brian like I'm not reaching for a kid that I don't really have a high opinion on just to fill that left tackle spot like there's I think there could there can be other options and then hey 2024 maybe you take another tackle that you weren't prepared to take you know maybe the number goes up a little higher so i agree with you i, I don't think that you fill just to fill it's only good it only has to be a player in my opinion that you truly do love so i agree we're driven by the search for better but when it comes to hiring the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all don't search match with indeed 
Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Everyone should start their day with a great cup of coffee. And for my family, that means the latest blend from Trade Coffee. My wife loves Trade Coffee. And when my parents were in town for the Notre Dame season opener, I turned them on to Trade Coffee as well. Let me tell you about Trade Coffee. It's a coffee subscription service unlike anything you've tried before because they partner with top independent roasters to freshly roast and send the best coffees in the country direct to your home on your preferred schedule. Their team of experts do all the work, taste testing hundreds of coffees from across the U.S. every month to curate over 450 exceptional coffees that make the cut. The coffee we got from Trade was superb. My wife is very picky with her coffee. I've told you that before, so I trusted Trade Coffee and had her fill out their quiz. They sent us three different blends, and they batted a thousand. We received the Holmes blend from Sparrow Coffee in Michigan, the Big City French Roast from Joe Coffee in New York, and the Black Velvet from Atomic Roasters in Massachusetts. That's our collection, and trust me, we're adding to it. But if what I got isn't up your alley, don't worry. Trade will have whatever it is you want. You can shop their most popular coffees by roast or flavor profile, or you can take their coffee quiz and get expertly matched with coffees you'll love. So if you want to support small businesses and brew the best cup of coffee you've ever made at home, it's time to try Trade Coffee. Right now, Trade is offering our listeners a total of $30 off your first order plus shipping at drinktrade.com slash irish. That's drinktrade.com slash irish for $30 off. Try it out today. We have a couple things kind of related to this down here, Ryan, that, that we'll kind of get to. And, and Brandon, well, let's just say this from James Mertz. James says, is it extremely rare for a commit to decommit and recommit later if the team is doing better than the commit expected? Yeah, it's it's, it's rare, but it happens. That was Aaron Lynch's thing. You know, Aaron Lynch didn't really start looking back at Notre Dame again until they went on that four-game winning streak at the end of the year and smacked Miami. That, that victory over Miami and the manner in which they did it was the thing that really opened up his eyes enough to where Notre Dame could kind of get in. We saw Stefan Tuitt flip to, to Georgia Tech, but he flipped back to Notre Dame like almost immediately. That was a really, really quick one. It happens, but it's 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 not it's not frequent. It, it, unless it's like kid leaves because there's a coaching change and then the new coach comes in and he really likes the new coach and then decides to come back. In this instance, it doesn't happen often. It doesn't. And I don't know how much Notre Dame is going to be able to stay on this. Not, I mean, I'm, I hope that they stay on him. I haven't gotten word of it. Uh, knowing Harry Heastan, I doubt Harry Heastan tries to recruit him back, which I, I that's just my guess. I don't know that. I don't have intel on that. That's just my opinion of knowing Coach Heastan, which I think is a mistake, honestly. I, I, I would. 
Because I don't think he's a bad kid. No. I mean, would you want to play for you right now if you're someone on the Notre Dame offense? You know, I wouldn't. So that's kind of where I'd be. And then John A1 had a couple comments regarding this. He said, uh, need Emil Wagner to pan out now more than ever. Uh, agree to a degree. Yes, I agree. Make sure makes your margin for error a little smaller yeah, for sure. Absolutely. Yep. Agreed. And then John, John A1 also said, and this is absolutely spot on, the best thing Notre Dame can do right now is win. They've got to show on the field that Notre Dame is a t- annual top 10 team. Right now, Notre Dame isn't in the top 40. Yeah. Hard to argue that. Yep. You know, Half hard to win, argue baby. that. So mm-hmm. yeah, you're you're right, John. Winning cures all usually. Yeah. So oh, it does. Yeah. It does. I mean, that's just look. I mean, top the kind of kid Notre Dame wants. Like I don't, I don't want the kids as as I don't want a bunch of kids that are like, hey, I'm going to Notre Dame no matter what, right? Like because those kids, like you want it, don't you? Kind of want a kid that is a little bit turned off if you're not a winning team. Like don't you want that kind of kid that? Yeah, I care about academics and I care about grades, but you know what? I also want to win. Sure. And, and, you know, I don't see that happening there. I think most kids are smart enough to wait and just kind of let the season play out a little bit. And like I said, I don't think this is a thing where he is only uh, looking around because they lost. I just think that was one of those things where all the other factors kind of played a role in that. Mm-hmm. So that's kind of where I'm coming from. We did have some super chats here. We had one from Truman Dumel. Truman, I haven't seen you in a while. Good to see you back in here. Is Drake May a better quarterback than Drew Pine or uh, Tyler Buckner? Right now he is. Yeah, yeah <laughs> by far right now. Yeah. Uh, he's definitely a better prospect than than Drew Pine. Tyler Buckner's debatable. Tyler Buckner's a weird kid to evaluate right now, right? And and this is this is kind of more – people in the chat know that I'm incredibly high on Tyler Buckner as a talent. Yeah, but here's the reason why I have said in the past, Notre Dame has to go get a, a transfer quarterback. Now, I'm not saying go get a transfer quarterback and just hand him the job. Mm-hmm. You know, give Tyler a chance to fight for the job. But the reality is, you know, this kid has now missed three three out of the last five football seasons. He played one game in 2018 and got hurt. Played all of 2019, was brilliant. Missed. All of 2020, not his fault because of COVID. So it's not about injury proneness. It's about the lack of development. Missed all of 2020. Yep. And then comes out last year and plays as a backup. And then this year he starts two games and gets hurt. Mm-hmm. So in the last five years, Tyler Buckner has started in 15 games. That's a, that's a severe lack of development that he needed this year. And he's going to miss it again. That's the big concern for me. I have zero doubt about Tyler Buckner's talent. Yeah. And the people that were writing him off after two starts just from his production, to me, were not fans of his to begin with. And it's and to me, it's I mean, fan, I don't mean that in the traditional sense, like you're a fan, so you're gonna support him no matter what. I just mean like for whatever reason you didn't think he was that good to begin with. Mm-hmm. I think he's incredibly talented. I think Notre Dame did a poor job getting him ready to to pl- run an offense that he was gonna be really comfortable with the first two games. But the reality too is the kid hadn't played a lot. He hadn't played football as a starter in a while, and he was going to need, you know, like if Tyler Buckner doesn't get hurt against against Marshall, I'm much more confident about this North Carolina game. Much more confident because I think he would have broke out a little bit last week, and I think his run threat would have really ripped up North Carolina this week. Mm-hmm. But the reality is, is he's not going to get those games. He didn't play against Cal last week. He's not going to play against North Carolina. He's not going to play the rest of the year. And it's not even just the injury-prone aspects of it, Ryan. Yep. The lack of development's the concern. 100%. And this, people say, oh, you get C.J. Carter reclassify. 
CJ Carr being the starting quarterback in 2023 is not the answer. Now, is there more of a, you know, gee, it might be good for him to reclassify now from Notre Dame standpoint? Yeah, for sure. To help improve your depth chart. But CJ Carr is not the answer to the, as to the starting quarterback dilemma in 2023. It's going to have to be a grad transfer, in my opinion, or, or it's any kind of transfer if the kid can get into school. Now, you let Tyler and you let Drew and you let Angeli and you you know you let CJ Carr if he reclassifies all battle and may the best man win. And then if Tyler beats that kid out, great. But it need you need to bring in a kid like this year. We thought we you and I both advocated for bringing in a grad transfer quarterback this year yeah. as just a depth guy to protect mm-hmm. you against if this exact thing happens, Tyler gets hurt again. This is what you needed protection against. But it wasn't someone to come in and necessarily beat him out. So I didn't want Keaton Slovis, anybody like that. But now my tune has changed in 2020 because of the lack of development and because Tyler has now had two season-ending injuries to different parts of his body. Yeah. Like upper, lower body. That's a that's a big concern for me. Yep. So um, and and so that's my concern with Tyler Buckner, but I've never still to this day do not doubt his talent and he's very talented but you have to start having legitimate concerns about is this kid ever going to reach the, his potential or is he just always going to be a potential kid mm-hmm. and so that's my stance on that ryan i don't know what your your thoughts are but to the original question that's that right there is why if i'm an nfl team that i'm saying who's going to be the guy i'm targeting for the next couple of years it would absolutely be drake may over tyler bucker oh for sure yeah it's not even a conversation piece to your to your comment about transfer quarterbacks real quick if i could just add for 2023 season after this season you need to get a quarterback that can come in and compete like you need to like it doesn't have to be a foregone conclusion that they're the starter right but like you need to bring in a talented quarterback that is good enough to potentially win a starting job like that has Mm -hmm. to happen in my opinion because look i i get it cj carr if he reclassifies really talented young player no doubt but there's the point blank period to it is is that not every player is ready to come in from day one and start a football game. That's a very, it's pre- pretty rare thing. If we're being completely honest, most of the breakouts we've seen at the quarterback position over the last few years are sophomores, right? Like the yeah. second year quarterback. So Trevor Lawrence is the anomaly for a yes. million reasons. Well, yes. <laughs> yeah. I mean, Justin Fields didn't play as a freshman. Bryce Young didn't play as a freshman. CJ Stroud didn't play as a freshman. Like they're all sophomore breakouts, right? Like it's Jason just Winston didn't play as a freshman. Kyler Murray didn't play as a freshman. Joe Burrow didn't play as a freshman. I mean, we could do this all day. Mm-hmm. Yep. So, it, but the, the point of the matter is, is that you need to find somebody. I, I think it's more than just a depth piece. I think you need to find somebody that can come in and that can compete with Tyler Buckner coming back from the injury, like a talented player. Who that is? I have no idea. Don't right. ask and me. I don't know right now. <laughs> talk to us at the end of the year as far as specifics. Yeah. You know, and it, 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 it doesn't have to be a power five guy. If it's a group of five kid that's lighting the world on fire and needs to step up in competition, that's fine too. If it's a Jack Cohn type of guy, like if Jack Cohn had an extra year of eligibility, this offense would look a lot different right now. Mm-hmm. It would. And and that's not even a knock on Tyler Buckner. My opinion doesn't change about Tyler Buckner. It's just Jack would have been more ready to step in and run the offense that Tommy Reese is still trying to run. That's that's the key. And that's yep. that's a that's as much of a coaching issue as a player issue, but that's a different story. But it, even if it's a Jack Cohn type, I'd like a little bit more mobile version of it. But I, I think Notre Dame fans now, the ones that never appreciated Jack Cohn, have a much greater appreciation of Jack Cohn now than they did a year ago. Um, so wish it just would have come a little bit sooner. So Truman, that's a, a appreciate the super super chat pick or super chat there. And uh, 
you know, obviously always appreciate your support, man. Very, very much. Have another super chat from Brian NY as a six foot quarterback. Brian would have been perfect for Notre Dame. Yeah, I wish. <laughs> Problem is Brian couldn't have got into school at Notre Dame. So that, that one wouldn't have happened. Neither, neither could have Ryan. So yeah. Fine. John, John Monty. Uh, what a super chat. Thanks, John. They have to play smart. No mistakes like false starts or targeting plays. Play smart, and they should win. Great show, guys, as always. Go Irish. I'm going to push back a little bit on the targeting thing. I agree with you completely on the false starts and those type of things. But, I mean, last time Notre Dame played in Chapel Hill, their second-best defensive player got kicked out for targeting, and he was a DB in the sec- like second quarter. So, uh, it, it with penalties, it's always – it's not so much – not getting a targeting, it's the when and the who and the how. And it's like with false starts. False starts don't kill you, but there's times when they can kill you. First and 10, they can kill you because they put you behind the sticks. Third and one, they can kill you. Second and two to second and seven, yeah, you can get out of that. You're okay. You know, like it doesn't hurt as bad. Yeah. But, um, you know, false start when you're at your own two, eh, you're fine. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, yeah, you're all right. I'm joking. But uh, it, it's really the when and the timing of it of it john but no i but i think john's overall point though is playing smart is mm-hmm. absolutely has to be part of you you can't give north carolina points this team is too good you can't gift them points if they're going to beat you make them earn it don't give it to them and that's a very yeah. good point john and absolutely when you're not playing good football you can't play against yourself either right, right. so like right. don't play against the team don't play against don't play against your opposition do not play against yourself right Tyler Evans with a similar comment in his super chat. No false starts on third down. 100% agree. 100% agree. All right, we got some more questions here. If you if you have questions, get them in, folks, and we will get them to we get to them here as we get, as we get deeper in the mailbag. Archer four five two said, "Can the D stay strong all game? Can Pine hit guys in space and let them make plays? This game feels like a huge measuring stick for the rest of the season." Absolutely, absolutely, absolutely on the last part. The first two, that's a question mark. I don't think the Notre Dame defense has played a complete game yet, right? Mm-hmm. Even Ohio State, they didn't play a complete game. They played two and a half, two and three quarters, two and three phenomenal quarters, like two and three quarters of phenomenal football on defense. Yep. Last quarter and a you know a little over a quarter, not so much. Marshall, nope. Even against Cal, they did a lot of good things against Cal, but they also did things defensively that let Cal back in the game, mm-hmm. you know, with the missed sacks and the the scrambles and all that kind of stuff. So can they play strong all game? We'll find out. They're going to need to. Can yeah. Drew Pine hit guys in space and let them make plays? I hope so. We saw him do it last year. We haven't seen him do it this year, and that's going to be the big key. I mean, I'm thinking the mayor play up the seam, hitting Kevin, you know, coming backside, hit Kevin Austin for the touchdown against Wisconsin. You know, throwing Braden Lindsey the goal route that he caught for a touchdown against against Cincinnati. We've seen him do it. He just hasn't been that guy. He didn't look like that guy against against uh, you know, again, the things that we were chalking up as like steps in the right direction last week were like the most basic things that a quarterback should be asked to do. Mm-hmm. Like, hey, he hit a slide route in the second half. Good job. Like, you know, and why are we acting that way? Because he missed him in the first half. You know, there's there's a ways to go. I just I'm getting Ryan frustrated again, but that's where they're at offensively, Ryan, and and they have to yeah. make a big jump from game three to four. Now the good news is, is we've seen Notre Dame do this before, and this is something that I think you and I were discussing. The was it you and I that were discussing this the other day about Notre Dame's week game three to four jumps in the past. Yeah, and, I don't and think so. I think I saw something like I think in under Brian Kelly, I believe if I'm there's something like nine and three. In, in going from game three to game four uh in, in like and some of their losses were like early they lost in year one 
They lost to Michigan State in year in game three, but then lost again to Stanford, who was number four in the country with Andrew Luck the next week uh, in, in game four. Uh, 2011, in game four, they went on the road and beat Pitt. Uh, 2012, their fourth game was against Michigan. They got a win. Didn't play uh, didn't play great, but they got a win over a ranked Michigan team. 2013, they beat a uh, – they weren't playing great coming into that, but they beat a really good Michigan State team in week four, a team that went uh, – Notre Dame was 2-1 and one at the time, had beaten Temple and Purdue, and then lost at Michigan. Remember that game, 41-30, to 30, and it wasn't that close. That was a game where Stephon Tewitt had the defensive touchdown to make it even closer. But it, I mean, Michigan outplayed them in that game. And then week four, they went out and beat a really good Michigan State team. 2014, they went on the road or neutral site game and beat Syracuse on the road. Uh, 2015, game four was UMass, uh, which was the second start of the Deshaun Kaiser era and, and put 62 points on them. 2016, I believe, was another one of the losses. Yeah, that was Duke at home. They lost to Duke at home. So that was a, a bad year. 2017 is when they really started to roll in game four was against Michigan State. They they made a, a pretty big jump. They were much better that game than they had been the year before. 2018 was the most noticeable. They struggled the first three games and then had week four was going down to Wake Forest. So went down to the Carolinas, and you had scored 24, 24, and 22 points your first three games, and then you come out against Wake Forest and you put up 56. Uh, so, I mean, we, we've seen a little bit of this. Uh, we're coming off of a Georgia loss in game three in 2019, and then the next week you come back at home in game four – and you beat Bryce Perkins in Virginia, 35-20. to 20, uh, Really took off in the second half. 2020 was an anomaly because week four was like in October. So, I mean, I'm going to look at that. And then last year, week, week four was the Wisconsin game. So, uh, they have – I mean, they've, they've had some really good jumps in week fours, right? It's not every year. So, does that happen this year? I don't know. Let's hope. So it's one of those things where you know people saw the biggest jumps you make are from week one to two. What we said at the time was it depends on the team. Every team is different. Is this Notre Dame team ready to make a jump from week three to week four? I have no clue, Ryan. None. Because I don't have a good feel for this team right now. At least offensively, I don't. I have a little bit more confidence in the defense. But even then, I'm like, I don't know what kind of game plan Al Gold is going to put together. You know, I'm a little nervous about that. I want to see. You know, they put a they put a pass-heavy game plan together and ignore the run like they did against Marshall, which let Marshall run on them. You know, that's I want to see that. Or did he learn mm -hmm. from that? Those are all we're still learning about this team. And so far, what we've learned is not good, sure. but hopefully they can write the ship this week. So I, I'm just I just hope I know everybody that comes on the uh, the post game show on here has seen a very like depressed and angry Ryan the last few weeks. So I want there to be a happy Ryan this week. Right. Like, I want to mm -hmm. be like, yeah, stomp them. Yeah. Linebackers play great. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Keep moving, you know, but we'll see. Mm -hmm. Especially heading yeah. into a bye week, because if you yeah. think the, the players and the coaches are going to be miserable on, on a bye week and a loss, imagine us. <laughs> yeah. That's not going to be fun. Not gonna be fun yeah, at all. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's going to be uh, it's going to be very interesting, Ryan. It's going to be very interesting. So, uh, and I did want to make a note too about that Iowa State Baylor game. Part of the reason I didn't want to take that at first because somebody had brought this up in the chat. One of the reasons I didn't want to bring it up first because Iowa State is actually favored in that game by two and a half. Mm -hmm. which kind of made like the upset part of it like a little bit like is it really upset Iowa State's favored but it is an unranked team or ranked team which is why I went with, went with them in that game it, yeah I mean that's why I said I didn't feel great about it I didn't feel great about it uh but the Oregon Washington State game is probably the next one there was another question somebody asked about Ryan uh, uh, regarding the, these picks and uh, we had someone down here Shannon Hyduck 
said the, his upset pick is the Gators over the Vols, 30-24. to 24. History matters, and Florida has owned this series. They have recently. There's no doubt about that. They have what, recently. What's the, what's the spread on that game, though? Does that count? Does that technically count? Uh, what do you mean? Because they're both ranked, aren't they? Is, oh, like his upset ranked? pick, meaning like, yeah, relative yeah, to how it, we Does it hit the parameters of our uh, – Oh, yeah. It's a 10.5-point spread. Is it 10.5? Yeah. Wow, 10 and a half I didn't even know it was that high. That's yeah. crazy. It would huh. definitely be considered because it's on the road and the point spread, yeah. ten and a half point spread. I can't yeah. believe it's ten and a half. That's crazy. Yeah. I didn't even see that number. Wow. Yeah. Ten and a half. Wow. They are so low. It's a, it's a big, it's a big spread. Yeah. That's a I know. big spread. Oh yeah. man, I didn't know it was that high. That's crazy. All right. Yeah. I wouldn't and, touch that game personally. If I if I was really betting, I would not touch that yeah. ten and a half. Absolutely. There's not. so <laughs> many reasons I don't bet. I just you watch how games play out, and you're like, who'd have saw that coming? Here's another one about this weekend that I looked at for a second, and that is Robert Bishop has said, what about Oklahoma versus Kansas State? I'm hoping that Kansas State gets them. I'll be honest with you, Ryan. If if Lincoln Riley was still the coach at Oklahoma, I would feel a lot better about picking Kansas State because for whatever reason, that's one of the teams he had problems with. Yeah, And every coach has that. Like every coach, like Cal would give USC some games those years when USC was rolling under Pete Carroll. And even when they didn't have, you know, Aaron Rodgers at quarterback, they would just, they'd give them some games and, and had a couple upsets on them. It's just for whatever reason, Kansas State has just had some, they just seem to have some games. Where you're like, wow, you guys, you guys really lost a, you guys really lost to Kansas State, huh? I remember like uh, the 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 game that Notre Dame lost to Michigan in nineteen. I remember driving. We were driving up for that game, and it was a night game. And I'm listening to it, and I'm like, "Yo, Oklahoma's about to lose to Kansas State." They did, but Kansas State has beat Oklahoma two of the last three times they've played. Ryan, they beat them in nineteen and beat them in twenty, and then last year Oklahoma beat them in Manhattan. But it was thirty-seven, thirty-one, and then you know even some of the years where where they had wins, you know, Kansas State also won in twelve and fourteen. That was under Bob Stoops. But, you know, 2017, it was a seven-point win. Oklahoma blew them out in 2018, but the 2017 game was 42-35. to 35. So they've, they've given them some battles. They've really played mm-hmm. them tough for whatever reason. I don't know what it is, but, uh, yeah. I just – I, I just haven't loved what I've seen from Kansas State so far. Mm-hmm. Like I, I, I would love to pick that game because I really like Deuce yeah. Vaughn a lot. He's a fantastic player. Malik Knowles is a good football player. Their le- former left tackle, now left guard, Cooper Beebe is a really good football player. But Adrian Martinez just isn't that guy, man. Yeah. He's just not, mm-hmm. unfortunately. So, nope. If Skylar Thompson was still there and healthy, which was the big problem in the last three years, I, I'd consider that. Yeah. You know, but no, I, I haven't loved what I've seen from them. But I didn't love what I saw from them coming into the Oklahoma game last year either. And you know they were they were three and one, but they had a couple ugly wins that year as well. And you know I they're a strange team, man. They're a strange like going into the Oklahoma game in 2019. You know they were coming off of a seven point win over TCU, who was just I mean that year not good. They were five and seven team. And then the two weeks before that, they got blown out by Oklahoma State. Got got blown out by Baylor. And then they go and beat Oklahoma. I mean Jalen Hurts in Oklahoma. So I. I can't figure Kansas State out, man. I really can't. Oh, and when they beat Oklahoma in 2020, the game before, they lost to Arkansas State. (laughs) So, like, it's just one of those weird matchups. But, again, Lincoln Riley's not there anymore. So, I don't know how that's going to be. Like, and it's Because it's not program-related. It's usually head coach-related. Whatever it is about my team, we don't match up well against that. You know? And that's usually kind of how it goes. 
So I just don't know enough about Oklahoma and who they are to, to feel yeah. good about that one. I, it's at Oklahoma as well, Ryan. If it was in Manhattan, yeah. I'd feel maybe a little bit different. But I just – I don't see them going on the road and, and beat the, the, the one thing that Brett Venables has done so far is the defensive talent needs to keep getting better at Oklahoma. It's yeah. not great right now. But they're flying around a little bit, man. Yeah. They are playing a lot better defensively. And I, I like Dylan Gabriel as a college quarterback. I think he's pretty good. So, yeah. They haven't played anybody good on offense yet, but they've mm-hmm. done what you're supposed to do to teams that aren't good on offense if you're a good defense. Yeah, You know, they've given up, what, 13, 3, and 14 points? I mean, mm-hmm. this is a team last year in the opener, Ryan, gave up 35 points to Tulane. Yes. You know, so playing bad and teams. T- and has, Tulane was bad last year. Correct. Bad. Yeah. In 2020, they gave up 38 and 37 and 45 in three of their first four games against Kansas State, Iowa State, and Texas. You know, I mean, 2019, they gave up 31 points in the opener against Houston. I mean, you know, again, so she so say, yeah, they haven't played anybody, but they're doing what good teams do defensively against bad teams. And like, look, in 2018, which I felt was the most recent Oklahoma team that actually had a chance to maybe compete for a title, maybe because of Kyler Murray, the, lo- the, the, the lowest point total they had that year was 14 points. They held two teams to 14 points, Kansas State and Florida Atlantic. And this year in 2022, they've already – Beat that twice against UTEP and Kent State. Now, again, UTEP and Kent State aren't good, but in 2018, Ryan, their non-conference was Florida Atlantic, UCLA, and Army. Remember, Army almost beat them that year. You know, 2017, I think, was the best Oklahoma team, and they only held two opponents under 10 points all year, and that was UTEP in the opener and Kansas in November. Was that Baker Mayfield's last year? Yes, Baker's last year. They gave up 41 points to Baylor. You know, I mean, 35 to K-State, 52 to Oklahoma State, 31 to West Virginia. So, look, this is a way different defense than it's been. Now, will it continue when they get a big 12 play? I don't know. We're still learning about these coaches. But they showed me a little something last week against Nebraska. Nebraska's reeling. But Nebraska came on that first drive, Ryan, and went right down the field in Oklahoma. Sure did. And in the past, that would have been like, okay, here we go. But they locked them down after that. I mean, they completely shut them down after that drive. And, you know, Nebraska never really threatened them. I mean, and and the thing is, Nebraska had 327 yards and 4.3 yards per carry, yards per play. That's the most that they'd given up all year so far. Like, that's pretty good. That's pretty good for, for Oklahoma. So, correct, Ryan, Brent Venables has done a really nice job so far getting that defense right to where their offense doesn't have to score 60 points in every game. Yep. So, yeah, take some pressure off. So, so good stuff there. It's an interesting game. And we already asked that one. Uh, Rob Osgood said, I just asked the D-line and DNs to pin their ears back and go, and go rampage on the UNC offensive line. Play like hell has no mercy. Play that quarterback. Make that quarterback start having happy feet. Yeah. I'm there. Yeah. I agree, Rob. Agreed. Yes, it's a great comment, Rob. Zach Martin with a uh, a question: Do you think having a historical wide receiver coaches tight ends coach is hurting the blocking at tight end? Sort of like Al Washington moving from linebacker to D line at Ohio State after leaving BC. Uh, just a little quick thing: He left BC to go to. He spent a year at Cincinnati, then he went to Michigan. Mm-hmm. So he was the D line coach at seventeen at at, uh, at Cincinnati, and then moved to linebackers to Michigan. Just a little uh, little little note. No, I don't think it's hurting the blocking because no. the blocking wasn't that good last year, except for George Takis, who we were told by sources couldn't catch. 
Uh, that hasn't been a problem for him at Boston College so far this year. Um, he's, had, he's had at least two games with six plus catches so yeah. far. Yeah, and did you college, see that so. cu- touchdown catch he had last week? That little back. That you know, he made a phenomenal like going up and getting it, getting his feet down. Made a great touchdown catch last week. So Ryan, um, no, I don't think that's an issue. No, I, I think people people get so wrapped up in well, where this guy coached before. Look, if you can coach, you can coach. Yeah, like my, my I was I played quarterback in college. I played freshman receivers my freshman year, and then I moved to played quarterback. I spent my whole career playing quarterback. I coached tight ends my first year as a coach, and I coached running backs. My first full time job was coaching running backs, and I kid was an all American that year. My guys were very well coached because you study and you learn and and you know what to do. You know, George, Jared Parker's been he's been primarily a receivers coach. He played receiver. But he's been an offensive coordinator. I mean, he's yes. he's had a lot of responsibilities. He was uh, he took over as interim head coach when when they fired uh, Daryl Hazel back at Purdue. He knows how to teach blocking, and and they work with Harry Heastan. It's yep. about number one. I just don't think Kevin Bauman's that good of a player right now. I just he's I think the injuries he suffered in almost every year of his college career have kind of sapped him of some power. Uh, Kane Barong, who's their second strongest offense tight end weight room wise has been hurt all year until the last week and a half, two weeks, he's finally got cleared and, and they're all American is just not blocked with a lot of want to, to be completely honest with you. So I don't think that's necessarily it. Now, is that a coaching thing? Yeah, it's a coaching thing, right? I'm not, look, the coach is responsible for this, right? That that's, so we've said along the standard doesn't change because we may think that Harry, he stands better than Jeff Quinn, or we may like Marcus Freeman more than, than, than Brian Keller. I may like Chancey Stuckey more than I like Dell Alexander. It doesn't change the standard. If it's something that we would have blamed one of those coaches for and it's still happening, then it, you have to blame the current coaches. So, uh, you know, yes, I think that Jared Parker needs to do a better job of getting more better blocking from his tight ends, 100%. Mm-hmm. But I also think that they, they haven't had their – I mean, two of their three best blockers have been hurt all year. You know, I mean, as far as being able to give you a lot of snaps. Kane Barong and then Eli Raritan. I mean, they're two of their three best blockers. They're all healthy now. So does it change? We'll find out. We'll find out. And are they willing to make the change? Are they willing to put Kevin Bauman on the bench and, and you know, play the younger guys who are maybe not, don't know the whole offense as well, but they 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 play better? That's We're going to find that out. Yep. Tight end is a position, assuming Kevin Bauman stays healthy, and that's a big assumption. Uh, big assumption. If he were to stay healthy all year, I mean, it, that would be a litmus test a little bit for us. But we'll find out if we're able to evaluate that or not. Mm-hmm. Meaning, will they play the younger guy? Or are they just going to yeah. keep putting the older guy that knows the offense more? Robert Bishop says, uh, of the five offensive line recruits, this is the one I was talking about earlier, Ryan. Yeah. Uh, uh, Pay- and I won't let you speak to this. Page had the second lowest ranking. First of all, don't care. Don't care about rankings. Mm-hmm. That kid's ceiling was – and with offensive linemen, especially, Ryan, ceiling matters more than floor. Yep. Especially a place like Notre Dame where you don't need guys to come in and play as freshmen. Uh, I don't care about the rankings, man. He he had the second highest ranking for me. Ryan, I think you had him third behind Absher and or Jackson and Absher, or did you have him second? No, I, I had him second. I had him in front we of both Absher. Had him second. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. And and we both like Sullivan Absher as well. Uh yeah. so maybe in the rankings, but not from IB. I read that it hurt Notre Dame because he was the only pure tackle. Couldn't Absher or Jagasaw, who are similar build, fill that role. So when we're referring to pure tackle, Robert, just so you're clear, Notre Dame has two guys that I think can play tackle at Notre Dame, still in the class. Jagasaw Mm -hmm. and Absher both can play tackle, in my opinion. 
I think Absher even especially, I think, would be really good as a guard, but that's not because he can't play tackle. I think he is a physical, mauling, just kid that I want to put a guard and just drive block and down block. And then, but he's an athletic kid. Mm-hmm. It, and then also he hasn't done a lot of pass pro in high school because he comes from a triple option offense. However, 6'7", 285, good athlete. I think that 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 he could play tackle. I think Jagasaw could play tackle, right? The problem is for us, it's not that there's only one pure tackle. It's there's only one pure left tackle. That's the issue. Yes. That's uh, yeah. I mean, that that's the biggest thing, right? Is that you're trying to, when, when you try to put an offensive line class together, you're trying to envision what will it look like, right? Like how does it all fit together? And right now to your point, Brian, I think that you have two guys in Charles Jagasaw and Sullivan Absher who are, if they're tackles, they're more than likely right tackle types, right? Mm-hmm. They're not true blindside protectors. Then you have Sam Pendleton and Joe Otting, which again, we both like, and we think that they can develop in the interior, but they're not tackles, right? Like they're not tackles at the next level. So you have two tackles. Neither one of them, in my opinion, are most likely left tackles. So that's the real troubling thing, Robert, is that we know how important a left tackle position is, right? Your blindside protector. And moving forward, again, you have your two tackles right now for at least another season after this. Well, we'll see what happens with that. But who's the next left tackle? Maybe it's Emil Wagner. Maybe if he can gain the weight mm-hmm. and he can maintain it, hopefully. But then the question mark is, if it's not Emil, who's now? Who is it? Right. And I don't know the answer to that. I don't think there's an answer on the roster, if I'm being completely honest, right this second. So that's where it kind of gets it gets muddled and it gets a little muddy, just the fact that you don't know who that left tackle in waiting potentially could be if it is not Emil Wagner. That's why right. it was an important important um important position for them to hit. And unfortunately with Elijah Page decommitting, it's a hole in the uh in the recruiting class right now. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. We got a couple down here for the uh, upset pick, Ryan, and this is an interesting one. I looked at it briefly, but I just don't know enough about him yet. But mm-hmm. there's a couple people, uh, Ray Holcroft, that I get. I see App State beating, getting beat easily by JMU. JMU's been playing well, but yeah. yeah. And Connor Burke said JMU over App State outright. And so, just so you all know, when we do upset picks, they are outright. We we are not picking against the spread per se. We are using the spread as a, a gauge for what is considered an upset. But when we pick upset picks, we're talking about that team wins the game. Mm-hmm. Not, you know, hey, I have this team, they're 30-point underdogs. I think they're going to lose by 10. That's my upset pick of the week. No, it's it's about they've got to win the game yeah. for it to be that way. Uh, but what I will say, Ryan, is if if JMU had one more game under their belt, I'd be more willing to jump on that bandwagon. And this is the reason I didn't go with it. JMU's looked really good so far, like really good. They're 2-0, and and they've blown out both of their first two opponents. Uh, yep. They blew out Middle Tennessee 44-7, to and they blew out Norfolk State 63-7. The problem, however, is if we're being honest, neither one of those teams are really any good. Middle Tennessee is like 2-1, and but they beat Colorado State, who stinks, and they beat uh, some 1AA team. They're not that good. Mm-hmm. And then, of course, Norfolk State's terrible. I mean, they got beat by Marshall 55 to three. So I just don't know if we know about them yet. And App State comes into this game battle tested big time. They almost beat North Carolina, they beat Texas AM. I would love to see JMU win this game. Virginia guy here, you know, <laughs> uh, but um, I just, 
I, I don't know enough about JMU and how tested they are to really jump on board on that one. This is a I do animal. I do know something about JMU. One, their wide receiver Chris Thornton's a good football player. But Brian, do you know who their starting quarterback is? Like, I do not. I do not. Former Temple and Colorado State quarterback Todd Centeno oh, yeah. is their starting quarterback. So, yep. who's lighting it on fire right now for yeah, James Madison? So far, so, so good far. for him. Yep. JMU was one of the few teams that could really give North Dakota State some games in recent years. Yep, they really could. They've given them some games. They really have given them some games. So those will be interesting ones, guys. Those will be really interesting ones. Let's see here. We got uh, one from Archer. I'm going to disagree with him on this one. He says, I hate neutral site college football games. Regular season games should always be played on campus. Uh, So I don't like neutral site one-offs usually unless it's a big matchup. Like what I hate is when like Alabama plays Duke in Atlanta. You know, like that's junk. But, like, if Alabama and USC were going to, like, meet in Texas and play, which I believe is what happened when they played in 2016, correct? Didn't they play in Arlington? Yes, I believe so. You know, like, that game makes a lot of sense It's a, it's because a, it's not a home-and-home. Home. It's just a one-game thing. I'm okay with that being, you know, because, like, sometimes you don't have the ability to schedule a home-and-home because home your schedule's booked, but we've got this one game. You've got a game. We've got a game. Let's play, but maybe we can do something in a recruiting hotbed we'd both like to tap into. I'm okay with those. I don't love them all the time, Ryan, but I'm okay with them if they're big games. But the other one is the 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 reason I'm gonna somewhat disagree with him here is I like new I like traditional neutral site games if they have been traditional neutral site games. And so like Texas, Oklahoma, I would be I would not like it to be moved. Well, it's it's you know, it, it's still gonna continue, obviously, but I wouldn't want that one to be moved away from the cotton bowl. Right. Mm-hmm. I, I love the tradition of it. I love the Jacksonville, Florida game being in in Jacksonville. But if I was going to say I have to let one of those go. then the one I would probably say I'd be OK moving back to campuses would probably be Georgia and Florida. Mm-hmm. Because um, I just think I understand why they do it, but I just kind of feel like that's one where I would like to kind of see them. Uh, move it back but I mean but that again but that's a traditional one the last time one of those two teams played on their home field I'm looking at this was 1932 in Gainesville since 1932 every single game has been played no I'm sorry 1995 they played in Athens and I, I wonder if something happened in Jacksonville that year and then did they play it in Gainesville last year hold on a second did they get rid of the game being in Jacksonville I don't know. Hold on a second. Let me look at something here real quick. Let me look at this Georgia-Florida schedule here real quick. Did they get rid of that game being in Jacksonville? I'm sure somebody's already answered the question here now. No, it looks like it's back in Jacksonville. Was last year's game in truly in Gainesville? I have no idea. Come on, Ryan. You're killing me here. That can't be right. I don't think that's right. Winsipedia said that last year's game was played in Gainesville. But I thought it was still in Jacksonville. So, yeah, it was in Jacksonville. They're wrong. Yeah, Winsipedia is wrong. They had last year's game as being in Gainesville. That's wrong. Uh, looks like it says 1995 was played in Athens. I don't know if that's right either because every other game since 1932 has been in Jacksonville. <laughs> so, like, but maybe there was like a, I don't know, like a hurricane on the Florida or something. They moved the game up north. Who knows? But um, but I, I like that. But honestly, if I had to pick one of the two, I'd still keep I'd still keep the the the. Uh, 
Red River Shootout in, in, in Dallas. I really like that one. I really do like that one. But, like, I like that Army-Navy it plays in a neutral field. I just – the only thing I, I wish about Army-Navy is I wish they just kind of, like, played in, like, one stadium. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Like, that one I wouldn't yeah. mind seeing go back to, you know, home and home and homes with that one. I don't know how that one would work. But I would, I, I would love for that game to be at West Point one year and at Navy the next and kind of alternate that way. Like, it was cool. Then they used to play it at Yankee Stadium. Isn't that where the game used to be played? I believe so. I thought, yeah. Yeah. I thought it used to be played at, at Yankee Stadium. Like, that'd be pretty cool. But that's back when Yankee Stadium was like a destination place to play games. And their names play Army there all the time. Mm-hmm. But, uh, for, I mean, for those games, it was it was a big deal. But, like, they've played in Philadelphia a bunch. They, you know, they were in New Jersey last year, Baltimore. They've played some, you know, at, on home and away. But I would love to see that one be a home and away. I, that's one that I would like to see kind of go back to to a home and away. I, I do. I do. Um but yeah, what are your thoughts on those neutral site rivalries and neutral site games, Ryan? You kind of indifferent I, to it? Yeah, I don't really have a preference either way. Like, good football is good football, in my opinion. Like, if I was a coach for a team, I'd probably feel a lot more different about it. But sure. just as a general fan, like, I just want to watch good ball. So yeah, I just to me, it's about tradition. Yeah, it's not about really caring about it being at a place or the other. It's just about tradition. I like the tradition of it. I do. I just I like the tradition of the game in Jacksonville. I like the tradition of the game, the Oklahoma Texas game being in the Cotton Bowl, right? Um, that's just just kind of how I feel about it. So that makes sense. Makes sense. Yep. So let's get to some more questions here. We are not Marshall. Who has the worst offense? Notre Dame, Texas A and M, or Iowa? It's not even close. Iowa. Iowa. Iowa comfortably. It's not even I don't. Close. I don't know what the updated stats look like now, but but everyone, I would just like to say before last game. Spencer Petras had a 45% completion percentage, did not have a touchdown pass, and their leading rusher had over 100 yards, and but he was only averaging 2.8 yards a carry. Iowa is terrible. He did their potential all-American tight end. Yeah, their potential all-American tight end Sam Laporta had like 10 catches for 60 yards going into the last game. Like it's yeah, it's not good. He did throw a touchdown pass against Nevada. That's good, but he went 14 of 26, so he had all the way up to 53.8% completions. And he averaged 6.7 yards per attempt. It's so bad, man. It's so bad. Yep. And uh, their ground attack had 162 yards, but went for for 4.63 yards per carry. Improvements. Against Nevada. So, yeah. Who gave up 210 rushing yards the week before against Incarnate Word. Oh, the fighting Incarnate Words. Love it. Yeah. Yeah, I, it's not even close, guys. It's not even close. I was significantly worse than Notre Dame on yes. offense. It's, They're averaging 217.7 yards per game. And that's after like, this last game against Nevada. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. And and what they do against Nevada. I mean, they had 337 yards. They were under 3.0 yards per play against Iowa State and, and uh, South Dakota State. So, yes, Notre Dame's offense has been bad. And not even bad by Notre Dame standards. It's just been bad. Period. Yep. yep. But it's still better than Iowa's. It's still better than Iowa's. I mean, again, as bad as Notre Dame's offense has been, they are averaging Ryan right now sixty, excuse me, eighty-three yards more per game than Iowa. Eighty-three so, yards more per game and over I've, a full yard per play better. A full yard per play better than Iowa. 
Right. I, I've I've seen some bad quarterbacks for Iowa in the past. I've never seen them also have a terrible run game on top of a bad quarterback. It's weird, man. Their offensive line's not good either. It's just it's bad right now, man. It's really bad. But the thing is, they, th- that's kind of who they were last year too. Yeah. For a lot of the year last year, they weren't really good running the football last year. Iowa. I have no clue how they won the West last year. They yeah, averaged a hundred. Oh, that's man. why they had a great defense. Yes. And Sean Clifford got hurt when they were down twenty to nothing. To Penn State. If he doesn't get hurt, they beat Penn State. Or they Penn State beats them. But they averaged 123.6 yards per game. Mike, Tyler Goodson went from, like, really good to not good at all in a year. Mm-hmm. With the best center in the country starting for you. It was yeah. weird. Rest of that and this is a guy that there bad. have been recruiting people, of national recruiting people have pushed for the Notre Dame OC job in the past, which is freaking hilarious. Who, Ferentz? Brian yes. Ferentz? freaking hilarious so yes Jay Montalbano Brian and Ryan if you could pick one position group to play lights out tomorrow who would it be and why that's an easy one for me Ryan who would it be for you to play light I mean it's got to be somebody offensively I'll say the offensive line I think everything runs through the offensive line lights out if Drew Pine plays lights out Saturday Notre Dame blows North Carolina out so I'm going quarterback I'm going quarterback now I like it Am I expecting it? No, not not yet. I need to see him do it first. But if I could, if you could say, hey, what for this Notre Dame team? Because if the if the offensive line just plays solid, mm-hmm. the receivers just play solid, and the running backs are just solid, but Drew Pine is just, I mean, John Stockton it out there, just getting the ball where it needs to go. You know, this team will this team because this is a bad defense. It is. You know, like it's a bad defense. So they don't have like the offensive line. It's not the true every game. The offensive line doesn't have to play like the Joe Moore Award winners against North Carolina. Just be good. Just be solid. Sure. And you'll true. move the ball. But if the quarterback's like ripping them, I'll feel very happy. This is an odd question I never thought we'd be answering, Ryan. Uh-oh. From Brandon Plesner. B. Ryan, how do you feel about Taylor Swift performing at halftime of this year's Super Bowl? Who would you like to see perform? I I so 17-year-old Ryan Roberts had a bit had a thing for Taylor Swift, but 30 30- your old Ryan Roberts does not care at all about Taylor Swift anymore. So I, 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 I guess indifferent again, Brian, like it's whatever. I'm not probably not going to listen to it anyway. So like, I don't care. That's my thing. thing. I'm not yeah. going to listen. I'm not going to watch it anyway. I watched the Super Bowl. I look, I don't watch the NFL. like hardly yeah. ever. I'll watch yep. the Super Bowl. It, Cause it's just the one like last a, year was cool though. Yeah. One last year was cool. Yeah, they I'm had sure um, said, all so. the rappers on there and stuff. I didn't, I, was I, didn't, I didn't like it. I didn't no? like it. Oh. No, I, it was, it was okay. Like, I don't know. I just I had some issues with it, but I don't know who that. Like, I'm not a big Kendrick Lamar. I don't not a big fan of his music and and like modern rap in general. Um, just whatever. It just it didn't do it for me. Uh, seeing like now, if Snoop and Dre would have performed like 15, 20 years ago before they were like <laughs> grandfathers, yeah. Uh, yeah, it'd be a little bit different deal. But I, I've never been a big halftime show guy. There's been a couple. I thought, you know who I thought, who was it? Rec- there was somebody recently that did a did one really good because I normally don't watch them. That's my time to get up, go to the bathroom, make some nachos, stuff like that, right? Mm-hmm. But, like, even when I was a kid, I didn't really watch halftime shows. Like, you know, my parents would, but, like, I didn't. I, you know what I like? If, what the Super Bowl stuff I like is I like the national anthems better. Like, somebody, like uh, Lady Gaga a couple years ago just – yeah did a tremendous job with the national anthem. I'll never forget when Whitney Houston did it when I was a kid. Like, I think it was around the time of the uh, first Iraq war. And I mean, it just was like, you know, tears and just the patriotism and all. I mean, but she, 
I, I I like a good national anthem. Somebody that just really just crushes the national La- anthem. La- Lady Lady Gaga is a really good singer. So yeah. Well, and, and she didn't, you know, she's kind of strange and she does these crazy things and all that. But like, I was when I heard she's gonna do, I was like, okay, what kind of outfit is she gonna wear? Like, I was actually like genuinely nervous. Like, she was gonna, you know, because I don't know her personally. You know, like know much yeah. of her personally. I just know she wears weird stuff when she performs. Yes. Yep. And she had like the nails and the, but she was, she was red, white, and blue. And, and, you know, and then some people like just butcher the national anthem. They'll just like, like, that's not what. The, oh, like, she, uh, do you remember when Fergie did it? Oh it was, God, that was so bad. <laughs> so bad. So bad. But Gaga's rendition of it, man, like even now in my forties, like, you know, I've heard a million national anthems. I was like, I was tearing up, man. She, it was tremendous, tremendous. Yeah. Uh, no doubt about it. No so doubt. someone said the Prince halftime show. I remember that one. That was funny. Uh, the the young Ryan Roberts was also amused at the uh, Justin Timberlake Janet Jackson fiasco. Oh, back I'm in sure. The day. Do you remember I'm that? Sure. <laughs> I remember. I didn't watch it, you know, but I heard about it certainly afterwards. That like I said, so somebody else just said that. Uh, but that's more the perverted side of you guys, not so much that it was a good performance. Oh no, but, I, I, yeah. I was I was too young to even appreciate it. I was just like, what the heck just happened? Yeah. I don't know what happened. Yeah. It's funny, you're like the 17 year old. Like when I was 17, I don't even know if, if Taylor Swift was even born yet. But uh yeah, I'm not uh, she was born. You're not that old. You're not that old. I don't know. Like when I think of a uh, um the problem is too, as I'm kind of old, it mm-hmm. and it it's like some of these people I don't even know. Like who was the one? Somebody just talking about the weekend. I didn't even know who the weekend was until I heard he was playing at the Super Bowl. I was like, like the weekend. I'm like, yeah, the game's on Sunday. Yeah, it's the weekend. Like, no, no, the weekend's performing. I'm like, what is the weekend? Is that a band? Like, no, that's a dude. I'm like, there's a guy's name as the weekend, and he doesn't even spell Ugh. it correctly. So I don't have a clue. That's so funny. Um, somebody said Meatloaf. I do remember Meatloaf having a really good, and I'm not even a Meatloaf fan, but he had a really good halftime. He's show got a good voice, there. though. He's got a yeah. good voice. You know, um, my, my, my dad's favorite of all time, and I know he listens to the show, so he'll probably hear me, but uh, do you remember when um, Paul McCartney did the the halftime show the one year? That was pretty no, good. No, I didn't watch it. I didn't watch yeah. it. My dad watched it, but and the, the, the Meatloaf do a halftime show? He did. He might have done something else. Hold on. They said he was in an, at an All-Star game, so maybe that was it, but I remember mm-hmm. he did something that I really liked. U2, I know a lot of people love when U2 does it. Somebody said that. I'm not, I've never been. I'm not a U2, U2 fan. fan. Yeah, I'm yeah not a, like I, I think I think it was it was a Rolling Stones when once when I was a kid. I can't remember. Probably. I was never a big Rolling Stones fan. I grew up more yeah. than the Beatles. I've said this. I think he. I I, I think I said this. He ran the two most overrated singers of all time, in my opinion. And there's mm-hmm. going to be Notre Dame fans are going to push back on me, and knowing where you're from, you may push back on me too. Uh, oh no, I'm, I'm going to agree with you. I'm going to okay. agree with you. Go ahead. Yeah, Mick, I know so we did say. talk about this. Mick Jagger's no, I, I number one, yeah. and Bruce Springsteen number two. Like, oh, see, I, yeah. I didn't think you were going to go that way. I, th- I thought yeah. you were going to go bo- John Bon Jovi. No, I like John. I like Bon Jovi. I like. I think he's a little overrated of a voice. He, oh, a little overrated. His voice is overrated, but he's a great performer. Yeah. Sure, I agree so there. Bon great Jovi's artist, a great performer. I like their yeah. music. He has a good voice, not a, f- but he's got some classic songs. One hundred percent. I I don't know. Like Bruce Springsteen. First of all, he always looks constipated. Like, dude, did you need to like push one out before you came out and sang? Like, he's like, like, did you ever see the, my, did you ever see the thing? We are the world that they did back in the, yes. it was, uh, yeah. the yeah. you know, live eight. Oh yeah. Live eight thing. Yeah. Which yeah. was uh, uh, that song still to this day, like kind of chokes me up a little bit, but mm-hmm. you know, like even then, like he gets up there and like, he doesn't even have much like, and he's just like his song, like the words he's singing aren't even like that powerful. Like it requires this really like, you know, and he's just like, uh, you know, and it's like, dude, what my, are you doing? 
My dad does not like Bruce Springsteen at all. I don't. So I just don't get the you. Bruce Springsteen infatuation people have, man. I just I've never got it. Never got it. But yeah, the Rolling Stones, Mick Jagger, uh, you know, Bruce Springsteen, very overrated. Yeah, very overrated. So. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile. And the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger, For the ones who get it done. Yeah, not a fan. So I, I Taylor Swift, whatever. It's just good. It's not someone I might want to watch. So I might get distracted during halftime when I want to go do other things. That's yeah, they need. They need to play like the Killers for me to get excited or something. Who are the like Killers? I uh, don't know the Killers. No. Um, I don't listen to my. I told you, man. I don't listen. To, unless you're going to play Mr. Jeremy Mr. Brightside. Playing. Oh, you know, Mr. Brightside. I'm not going to sing it on air, but no, yeah, you know, you, you know, tell me later. Side. I don't listen to the radio. I, I keep telling you this, man. Uh, they're on classic rock now, man. Yeah. Their killers have been around for like 20 years. That's still the radio. I still listen to the radio. So yeah. I might hear it when I might know them when I heard it. So yeah. Yep. So I don't know. I just, I'm not. People don't like the killers yeah. in here. You guys have bad taste. Really yeah. bad taste. Somebody said Dan Aykroyd singing with the We Are the World. Yeah, I I know when you look at the video, like there's this when they're scrolling the whole crowd, there's like Dan Aykroyd. I'm like, what the heck is Dan Aykroyd doing up there? Like, <laughs> what the freaking heck is that all about? But yeah, that was a that was a good one. That was a good one. So anyway, uh did th then they did a remake a few years ago for like uh Haiti, I think, and I was like, This is terrible. Like, yeah, no, this is just not good. I'm about to block Robert Bishop. The killers what? are terrible. What they suck. <laughs> no, he, he said they he said they suck bad. So. Yeah. Oh, sorry. <laughs> Another person killers equals nickelback. <laughs> oh, that is so that dumb. is that's messed that up. That is just there, dumb. Man. That's dumb. That's messed up. Yeah. Anyway. <laughs> so uh somebody said my son wants Imagine Dragons. They're all right. It's Imagine Dragons is kind of like Nickelback to me in yeah. that. Like I actually, I actually like think Nickelback has a good sound. The problem is like every song sounds like the same to me, and that's how I kind of feel about Imagine Dragons a little bit. It's like they just all kind of sound the same to me a little bit. So when I went to pick up my rental car today, somebody was listening to nothing but a G thing in the in the in the radio in the nice in the, the Enterprise place, which I thought was hilarious. I was like, wow, I haven't heard this song in a long time. So yeah, but my, all the artists I would want to perform are most of them are dead. You know what I mean? Like Mob Deep can't perform, Tupac can't perform, Big can't perform. So see, this is this is what I'm curious about right here. Charlie Charlie Weiss's last belt move just said Brian knows Imagine Dragons, but not the Killers. Agree, Charlie. Well, the I reason I know Imagine Dragons is because they have a bunch of songs they would play on like CBS and ABC and ESPN before football games. So I'd be like, who's that? And then it's like, oh, it's Imagine Dragons. So that's how I know them because people I, play them. It was like a I'm, football song. Like I, I, I know we're going off songs, but like. Songs that would be played during games. We're going off on a tangent here, but Jared just said seeing the Killers next month, Ryan. I am seeing the Killers 
in like two weeks. So Jared, okay. I, I I'm there with you, man. There with you. All right. I'm with John Christophic. I'm, I'm there. Yeah. Everybody knows Mr. Brightside. It's a classic. Yeah. Everybody uh, knows Craig Bolton. I might know it when I hear it, and I'm like, oh, that's it. Because you know, back in the day, songs didn't always have the name that sounded that was anything to do with their the lyrics of the song or whatever. Uh, Craig Bolton said, uh, "Let's go with Toby Mac." Uh, I would not enjoy it. I'm not. I'm not a Toby Mac. He's okay, but if you're gonna go that route, which I'd be, I don't think that would be great. I would love that, but I'd go like Third Day. I think Third Day. I don't know, Ryan, if you're familiar with Third Day. They're a Christian rock band. They're, I don't know that yeah. actually they're together anymore, but and or Jeremy Camp because they actually have like really like songs you can like. That would be like their songs would fit a halftime show really well because like I like something kind of up tempo for halftime. Like I don't want like you know there's some. Like, okay, when I was younger, I loved Nora Jones. She had a great voice, right? When I was getting coaching, great, but she's not someone I would have for like a halftime show. Right. You know, like let her sing the national anthem, right? Like, don't have her do the halftime show. You know, like not everybody's like a halftime show type of artist. You know, I think someone is gonna have some some upbeatness to that. So that's what I would I would want somebody like that. So uh, upbeatness. Yeah. I like that. Yeah, like some that. upbeatness. There's gotta be some upbeatness <laughs> to the halftime show, in my opinion. Right. So um, um there's some very weird comments being made right now. I, I people, see it. So. I see it. Yeah. Let's yeah. make Smash Mouth great yep. again. Cool yeah. again. They were never yeah. cool. So <laughs> Yeah. Okay. Sure. Sure. Yeah. All right. So let's get to uh, let's get to some more here because we have gone off the rails. Uh Brandon, thanks a lot, man. This is where it all started right here with my man Brandon. He started it. <laughs> it's Brandon's fault. Uh, yeah. Brandon's Robert fault. Bishop says, uh, Brian, are you concerned that our offense or lack thereof uh, aspects any of our receiver recruits? Not yet, but if it continues, it will. I think the bigger issue now that I would that I would kind of be is not so much the pass game through three games. It's more of Tobias not playing. Yeah, is more of what I've heard is an issue for some of the twenty-three kids. It's like, why isn't Tobias playing? Like, this guy's really good. Like, why isn't Tobias playing? And so I think I think that is more concerning than the offense because the offense is well. Yeah, they'll change the offense when we get there. They don't have receivers mm-hmm. right now. When we get there. But then it's like, well, hold on a second. You got you have all these issues at receiver, and you're playing Matt Salerno and Jaden Thomas, and you got Tobias in on the bench. Tobias is a top hundred dude. Like what? Well, yeah, you're saying this to me, but you said that to Tobias too. Hey, yeah. you're, you know, and and that's a concern. That's why they need to they need to rectify that number one because it would help them be better, in my opinion. And number two is because you're sending a very bad message that you you if you're a top stud, top six four, fast advanced great hands highly ranked you can't beat out matt salerno or you can't be given the opportunity to beat out matt salerno well horse pucky is what i would say if i was one of those kids flat out what i would say if i was one of those kids and so that's going to be an issue that uh needs to get needs to get fixed in my opinion big time ryan yeah there's no doubt uh rob thidoff said brian are you down are you down with opp uh no uh, but, uh, I did see, I did see not by nature in concert when I was at Wittenberg, they had fallen so fast that they did a free concert at Wittenberg university, which was a pretty good concert. Uh, but, uh, yeah, they'd fallen off pretty good, but no, I, I was, I liked the song, but, uh, the way that you phrased the question, no. <laughs> so, uh, yeah. Uh, David Carpenter says Jim Harbaugh listens to the killers. Ouch. Ouch. Middle finger emoji is up. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the sunset kid. This is awesome. The sunset kid. 
Uh, says, Brian, I don't know if you remember me. I do. Uh, asking you to pray for Jenny D because she had breast has breast cancer. I'm glad to tell you she is cancer free. Thank you for the prayers. God is great. Absolutely. Uh, man, that is great news. That is absolutely great, great news. And then we always appreciate when people do come in here for prayer requests that you, you know, keep us updated on it. There, there's, you know, there's no doubt. There's no doubt. So we are happy, happy, happy to hear that. That is amazing. We have a super chat from Ray Holcraft. Uh, he said, yes, Ray, thank you. Thank you for your super chat, by the way, Ray. Thank you for a great show and great IB community. Love how people support and pray for each other here. I learned about football here and laugh as well. Great job, Brian, Brian and Ryan. Now, this that this comment was made before we started talking about halftime shows. So I'm curious if Ray still feels that way uh, about about the show. But uh, well, we definitely made yeah. him laugh if, if it hadn't yeah. at that point. So, yes, yes. And then Archer asked, uh, you were at Wit. Uh, my high school girlfriend went to Wit and I made a drive uh, out there to visit her. I did. I was there for one year in 2001. I was an assistant coach at Wittenberg. Yes. John A1 says, if Notre Dame runs the table and finishes 10 and 2, how do you see the 2023 quarterback room playing out? I don't it's think they have question. I don't. Do you yeah. think they have to run a table to get a quarterback? I think if anything, like how bad the quarterback room looks right now, might be more uh, appealing, attractive. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, I mean, I'm interested, John. I mean, we. I feel like people keep asking about the 2023 quarterback thing, and I just keep talking about you know, it, it's a couple guys that we know of that are kind of who the staff has their, their has an emphasis on, or at least their eyes on, and. It's just something that needs to be figured out throughout the season, right? So I think if there's some momentum riding through, it'll help things. But I also think Brian's correct in the sense of, like, if it isn't great, though, you can still sell, like, hey, <laughs> you might be able to play early here, right? Like, yeah. come play ball type of thing. Seriously. So it's going to be interesting, man. I don't know who the 2023 quarterback is ultimately going to be. I still think that they're going to get one. It's just my polls. It's how I feel. Could change. That's just what I think. But, I mean, you're going to have – so you're going to have to have someone that's going to come in and compete, right? With Tyler Buckner and a grad transfer, potentially Drew Pine, if he's back, Steve Angeli, the competition, I think this offseason is going to be vital at the quarterback position. Yep. Absolutely. Absolutely. I, I to specifically to the question, how do you see it playing out? I mean, really still depends on if CJ Clark is going to CJ Carr is going to reclassify or not. It's the big question. And, yeah, and I think they are, I think Tommy really wants him to reclassify is what I think is the, is the case. Um, and I think that that the injury to Buckner might might give Tyler give CJ a little bit more incentive to reclassify. Not that he's going to be the guy in twenty three, but you know now it's the the chances of starting in twenty four have greatly increased since Tyler Buckner was injured. And so if they do bring in a grad transfer for twenty three, he learns that year. The odds of Tyler sticking around, who knows? We'll find out. I don't want to start saying a kid's going to transfer, but it, it only increases the chances he he might consider it. Drew Pine will be gone by then. And so then it's CJ Card and Steve Angeli battling it out in 2024, potentially. So it certainly ups the it ups the opportunities for that. There's no question about it. There's no question about it. So uh, here's a question from Antoine Gates. Uh, Antoine's comment says, Brian, I never knew you were a fan of old school rap, the best rap. See, I don't call it old school rap, right? Like that's just kind of, that's just kind of what I, that's just rap to me. Like, uh, you know, that's just kind of, I don't know, like just kind of, yeah, I don't care. I guess it makes me old, but yeah, it's just what I grew up on. You know what I mean? Like 
And the thing is, I, I like to, I was more of an East Coast guy normally, but there was some West Coast stuff I did. I thought Tupac's West Coast albums were good. Uh, I thought, obviously, I like Dre as at least a producer, but I was more of an East Coast kind of guy, you know? Um, but yeah, I mean, dude, I go all the way back. I don't go all the way back to like Sugar Hill Gang. Like, I'm not that old, right? <laughs> but like Rakim, you know, um, EPMD, like, uh, I mean, I've talked about the, the known ones, you know, like, um, Tupac and Big and all that Wu Tang Clan. I love the Wu Tang, but like, you know, like Keith Murray, you know, had some early albums. You know what I mean? Like, um, you know, there's some uh, Eric Sermon. You know, like one West Coast guy I liked was Scarface. He had a couple decent albums. He had like his really slow flow. It was really interesting. And then anything that DJ Premier was on, I was gonna buy. You know what I mean? Like he made Guru out to be good because that's how good his stuff was when he was part of Gangstar. So, um, you know, uh, yeah, that's. Uh, yeah, and then there were some weird rap groups that I got, got into a little bit. Like Farside was a really weird group, but they had some songs I really enjoyed, but like Outkast. There were some. I didn't. You know what? I, the rap I didn't like, Ryan, when mm -hmm. I was young, I didn't like the the Southern, like the Florida rap, like Master P and like mm -hmm. like those cats. I wasn't. I, I never really got into Jaw Rule. I wasn't a big fan of that. Like I know Murder Inc was kind of a thing. Like I liked DMX, but I didn't like I didn't like Jaw Rule a whole lot, to be honest with you. So I wasn't like an East Coast guy, West Coast guy. I tended to like the East Coast stuff more. I just like good lyricists, but I like people that had good. I mean, if you could put a, there's been okay rappers that had hit songs because, you know, you just got to put the right track down. And that's why I said like anything that DJ Premier was, you know, Primo was going to do was just for me was going to be it. But yeah, that's what I grew up on. I don't really listen to a whole lot anymore, but if I'm going to listen to music, that's what I'm going to put on for the most part. So yeah. And Take it. Yeah, it's just that was kind of my thing. But that's like even like I had I put Busta Rhymes on that highlight video I did, you know. So like I had some Busta Rhymes stuff back in the day. He was another guy who was kind of he had he had some stuff that was real cool, and then some other songs like oh my god, Red Man, <laughs> another guy that I liked. So yeah, there's some some big time big time music back then. I just I don't know why it's like Kendrick Lamar. Okay, I respect him, I guess, but I just don't enjoy his music like Drake. It is whatever it is. I just don't, I just don't, it's just not my style. It's just not something I really like. So sorry. I know that bothers some people. Like some people, like some guy, cause I told him, I, I said on Twitter, I didn't like the halftime show. So apparently because I didn't like the halftime show, I was a racist. <laughs> so I was like, oh okay, okay, whatever. <laughs> what did he say? Like, <laughs> sure, dude. <laughs> whatever, man. Uh, Jared Rhodes. Uh, Brian, has any other Notre Dame team caught you off guard the way this one has, meaning bar seemed pretty high and hasn't executed at the level yet through three games? Um, you know, it's funny, Ryan, like 2016, I went on a, a national college football show before the season, and I said, this team's either going to overcome the issues that they have and be good or they're going to implode. They're not going to be 8-4. and four. They're not going to be 9-3. and three. And so I, I was a little surprised at 4-8, and eight, but just because of how bad the schedule was, but I thought that team could implode. Uh, 2018, in the first three games, surprised me a little bit because I thought the offense was going to be a lot better. Hmm. I, I did. And obviously the, the Michigan win was big, but they were so bad against Ball State, and they were so bad against Vanderbilt. Those games surprised me. And so I'd say that's probably the closest thing, Jared, but this team has been – on offense has been so far away from not just even where I thought they'd be, but just where any person I – mean, did anybody be like, yeah, they're going to score 15 points a game through the first three games or 18 points or whatever, you know? I mean, did anybody think they're going to be this bad on offense? I, I nope. don't know. 
Nope. I have a hard time seeing it. I had a very hard time seeing it. So even even sources didn't think that too, right? Yeah. I mean, it's just yeah. crazy, man. Yeah. I mean, people who were at practice, you know, yeah. like I mean, just yeah, man. Like, yeah. Not great. Not great. So Nelly, I was not a Nelly fan. I was not a Nelly fan. Sorry. That was that was not uh that was not that was not my thing. That was, was it your bag? Not my bag, no. No, like you know, it's a group that I I I respected their talent, but I never like really dug their music a ton was a tribe called Quest. Like I respected their their it's kind of like some rock music. Like there's some rock music. Man, I really appreciate how good they are with those instruments and and like boy, that guy can, you know, like Metallica. I can really appreciate Metallica's like talent with guitars and, and well, the drummer's not that good, but the the <laughs> the guitars, but like I just don't like that kind of music. You know what I mean? Like, it just yeah. doesn't like, I don't get into it, but I can respect like, wow. Like I could listen to a, a great pianist and be like, man, that guy, that is just, wow. That's moving. You know? Yeah. Um, I appreciate like talent. Right. But I don't like, there's some country music. I'm like, boy, that guy's, that guy has some really good with the guitar. There's a drummer on this rock band. This boy's really great drummer, but it's like, I don't particularly care for music, you know, but uh, I respected a tribe called quest. Cause they actually had like, it wasn't like a bunch of digitized stuff, like, you know, like the roots, like the roots is a group I have a great deal of respect for. I don't particularly love their music. It's not my thing, but mm -hmm. they actually like play instruments. It's not like digitized stuff. I mean, they actually play instruments. They're not like on a, you know, a DJ cutting it up in the background. It's actual, those guys play instruments. Yeah. I respect that. It just, it's like, but it's just not my cup of tea kind of thing. But, uh, you know, yeah, that's one. That's one uh, tribe called Quest. Most of my friends love Tribe Called Quest, but I just I wasn't. It just wasn't for me, you know. So uh, there was one group that I liked a lot growing up that nobody else liked. Lords of the Underground. Did you ever listen to Lords of the Underground? Don't know. They who that had is. a song called Chief Rocka. I don't know what it was, but they had a couple songs that I liked a lot. I was never like Onyx had some good songs, but I didn't particularly care for Onyx. You know what I mean? Like they just had a couple songs that were like, okay, this is something you're gonna play at a party. You know what I mean? So, yeah, but yeah, it was very interesting taste. I mean, you know, it came, it comes from my dad. So people ask like how kid growing up in Ohio, you know, Northwest Ohio, how'd you listen to that? I was like, well, it's just kind of music. I, my, I grew up with my dad listening to like the temptations, the four tops. My mom was a big Al Green fan. So it's just like the natural manifestation from that as a kid was to R and B. And then the manifestation from R and B was into hip hop when that kind of became a thing. And, you know, so it just was kind of what I grew up on. So like my parents bought me like this, you know, the radio, you had like the two cassettes and then you can mm -hmm. tune the dial and then you had the record player. So like I'm listening to my dad and mom's old 45s. My dad's some like Beatles and stuff like that. But like most of their stuff was like the Temptations, the Four Tops, you know, like uh, Supremes. My mom, like I said, my mom was a big Al Green fan. Uh, Bill Withers, you know, stuff mm -hmm. like that. So like, like that's before my time, but that's what I grew up on. And that just led me into, <laughs> you know, kind of just led me into a different type of um, different type of music. So, yeah, but I, I can there's there's not a single type of music that I don't like a song or a group on except for like heavy metal, like that crazy like that, that that like I just like, yeah, I just I don't I can't do that. Like the country is like there's some kind, you know, what's you know, what's here's inner that my favorite type of music to actually go to a concert for is actually country music. It's because it's like too. it's like you can just because you can go with some friends and just enjoy being there and, and, you know, cause everybody knows country songs and all that kind of stuff. Uh, but, uh, yeah, like rap concerts, I don't enjoy, 
a, a, a lot. But country concerts just seems like a more laid back environment. So that's fair. It's kind of interesting. Although I wouldn't be sitting there like listening to country music in my car or in my room. You know what I mean? So just I have a weird I have a weird thing with music. You know, very thing weird thing with music. But I blame my parents because they made me play piano when I was a kid. They made me be in the band when I was a kid. Like they wanted me to be well rounded. So mm-hmm. I just had an appreciate. I wasn't very good with instruments. Like I played the saxophone. I played the piano growing up. I wasn't very good at them, but I just enjoyed. I enjoyed good music. Good music. So we, we, yeah. we've learned a lot about you today. Yeah, yeah. All because of what Taylor Swift. All yes, because all Taylor because of Taylor, all because of Brandon Plister. All because yep. of Brandon. Thanks a lot, Brandon. <laughs> yeah, like this. This is the kind of music. Like this kind of music, I do not like at all. I don't I like Marilyn Manson either. He's a weird. He's a weird guy. On top yeah. of not being that good, in my opinion. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, very weird, very freaking weird guy. Like, if I got caught in an alley for him, I'm like, okay, hold on, let me make sure that I got my my protection here because that guy's that guy's insane. Yeah. So anyway, but that's uh that's it. So Ryan, I think uh, here's what's funny. Archer's absolutely right. Ryan has no idea who any of these artists are. I, I, I knew from. I knew I knew most of them. A couple of them, I was like, I have no idea who you're talking about, but I knew most. <laughs> Archer, not giving me enough credit. I knew most of them. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. Um uh Bone Thugs and Harmony, they had some uh some decent songs, but not uh See, I I have no yeah. idea who that is. I have no uh idea yeah, yeah, they had some decent songs but like they were kind of weird. Ice Ice Bryant, no, you did not have I was not rocking Vanilla Ice back in the day. Sorry. <laughs> uh not happening. So, anyway, <sighs> So I think I think that's gonna be do it for today's show. Did, did you have uh, a uh, Brian? Did you have an embarrassing haircuts when you were younger? By the no, way? dude, I've had I this haircut since I was like Forever. sixteen years old. Gotcha. Yeah, and I, then I, he, I have a I have a good friend. I found out that he was a frosted tips guy back in the day. So just no. Okay, so the only thing I ever did, I didn't have a bad haircut, but like my hair yeah. was like grown out a little bit more than this. Yeah, and uh, we were going on our senior trip. And you know, I was not an overly rebellious kid. Like when I got my ears pierced for my freshman year of college, I asked my dad if it was okay. <laughs> and, and, uh, but, uh, I was going to dye my hair blonde for our okay. senior trip. Cause some of the girls in the class was like, this one girl wanted to be, she, she, she actually is a, um, she's a stylist. She like does hair now, but she's like, Oh, she always wanted to do that. And she's like, I'll dye your hair, I'll dye your hair. So we went to the store and we bought hair dye. Cause we we're going to New York. We we're going to Toronto and then New York city for our uh, senior trip. And so she bought this box of blonde thing. And so again, cause I'm like, look, my hair's not that long. It'll be really easy to just like in two weeks, I can just shave it off and it's back to being brown again. Right. And so she finishes it and my whole hair head was orange, <laughs> like, like a redhead. Right. I'm like, what the freaking heck happens? So I grab the box and I look, I'm like, dude, blonde, why is my hair orange? And then you read the finer print says any natural red tints will show. And when you dye it. So I went on my senior trip with orange freaking hair. <laughs> so um, like like that was probably the craziest hair thing. But no, the only other haircut I had besides this was just I would comb my hair over and part on the side. I've, I'm not a very adventurous hair guy. That's why I cut, shaved my, not shaved my head, but went with a buzz cut my whole life because it's just I don't want to have to deal with hair. I don't have to comb it. I don't, have to put, I don't want to put gel in it or any of that other crap. Like I don't want to spend any time on it. And the best way to do that is this. It's the easiest way to do that. So, no, no embarrassing hair stories. The answer to no, answer to Milton fan fifteen is no. Can we get back to football? No, I'm enjoying this. Yes, Let us have fun. It's a mailbag, man. 
And if we had more football questions, we would ask more football questions. We would answer more football questions. So if you want us to get back to football, ask a question about football and we will, you know. Um, yeah. So there you go. There you go. So that's going to do it for today's show, Ryan. So that, uh, there you go. Thank you for that, Irish Shy Town. Thank you very much. I appreciate that. Uh, and um, anyway, John, thank you for that very much. So that's going to do it for today's show, folks. We'll be back tomorrow. Vince and Sean Styers will be back tomorrow. Oh, does Tyler Evans said, did we get his super chat? We got one of them. Did he send a second one, Ryan? Did you happen to see if he sent Tyler Evans sent a second super chat? Let me get up here before we get out of here. I did not. Because I definitely don't want to miss any super chats. So just Check give me a second. Oh, here we go. Here we go. Oregon State versus Southern Cal. We didn't gotcha. you did mention that game, right? What yeah. what what does Oregon State have to do to win that game, man? Because I I mean, look, I think they control the clock, they run the football. I just don't think they have enough athletes on defense to stop USC. That's my big concern. How what do you what is that kind of what made you I, not go with them for the upset? Yeah, it's just I mean, USC is just kind of they're playing really good football as far as like their playmakers right now, right? So like I also just I mean, like they have one decent corner at Oregon State, Rajon Wright. Otherwise, like I just don't, also don't think they have enough talent in the secondary. But I would say that Oregon State does have a chance, I think, to run the football a little bit. The Sean Fenwick starting to get it going a little bit. I, th- I actually kind of like Chance Nolan as a college quarterback. I think he's a pretty yeah. solid player. And their offensive line's good, Brian. Like no one talks about that, but Oregon State's offensive line's pretty good. So I think that's the way you beat him is you have to control the line of scrimmage. And I think they – Possibly can. That's why I think they've it's been a, doing it's that for the last three game. years. I mean, yep. that's the thing is they have really Jonathan Smith has really developed a program that can run the football, and he's done it with different backs. Mm-hmm. You know, like they had the was a Jamar was a Jefferson Jamar Jefferson wasn't Jamar that kid's Jefferson. name? Yep. A couple of years ago, that just kind of came out of nowhere, and and then he goes pro a year early. Like should not have gone pro when he did. You know, came out after the COVID year. Should not have come out that year. The year yep. before, their leading rusher was a kid named Artavis Pierce. You know, then 2021, last year, B.J. Baylor comes out. You know, I mean, B.J. Baylor the year before, Ryan, had 27 carries for 124 yards and a touchdown. Then last year breaks out and goes for 13-36, 13 touchdowns, 5-9 a carry. Their uh, their next running back was 5-7 a carry. Their next back was 6-4 a carry. You know, I mean, so these are – they have really developed a nice ground attack. And then Deshaun Fenwick is their top back so far this year. And so, you know, I I really like what they're doing. They haven't been – dominant on the ground early this year like they were in past years but they've been good um you know that's the thing for me so um yeah that's the thing for me so if that makes sense so yeah um but yeah i i would like to see that obviously for a lot of different reasons i would like to see them pull off that upset but i just i think you got to be able to score to beat usc and I just don't know. Like that was the thing against against uh, Fresno. They just could not keep up with with Fresno's offense. And if you can't keep up with Fresno's offense, I don't think you're going to be able to keep up with with uh, USC's because they didn't run the ball great. They didn't run the ball great against Fresno, and that was a problem. So yeah. they're going to need to get that thing going a little bit, a little bit more. There's no doubt. Yeah. I have a super chat from Justin Knox. We have a couple other football questions that came up. The Big Chill is the most iconic album ever. Right up your alley, Brian. So I'm a uh, Kind of drawing a blank there, Ryan. Brian, what is the big chill? Do you know what that album is? Why am you, I? You would probably know much better than I would. But. Yeah. So I'm not sure. Uh, uh, oh, that's a movie. A movie. Uh, movie the album, soundtrack. Sad. Yeah. Oh. 
It's got yeah, it's got Marvin Gaye, The Temptation, Smokey Robinson, The Miracles. Yeah, so I see what he's saying there. Yeah. Okay. Gotcha. Never never heard of that one before. Aretha Franklin. Yep. Three Dog Night. Yeah, you're right. That'd be right up my alley. That'd be right up my alley. No question. It's a good one, Justin. Very good one. Um uh beef eater, Brian. If we run into you tomorrow, I cannot promise my seven-year-old will not try to tackle you. Uh does he <laughs> not like me? Uh you know, uh I don't quite understand that one. So uh, hopefully it's a good tackle. So I don't know. I'm not sure how to feel about that one. I'm not sure how to feel about that one. A uh, couple more questions here. Uh, here's an interesting one, Ryan. And, uh, Mitch, Mitch Natero, is Tommy Reese in the hot seat? I don't think he is yet because we're three games yeah. in, Ryan. But if things don't change dramatically, you have to – like you're at the point now where it's like, dude, you're on – you're on. I'm watching you, right? Yeah. I'm watching you. Yeah. And how you respond to this is going to tell me a lot about about the future. There's yeah. no question. Yeah, he's not on the hot seat as in like he'll get fired now if it doesn't turn around in the next game or so, right? But by the end of the season, if things don't get better, yeah, for sure, I'm there. Chief Brody asks, okay, I have a football question. Will Lindsey catch a ball over 40 yards this year? If the quarterbacks throw it to him. Yeah. And I mean, he had one for what was it, 31 32, in the first game? 32, 32. 31, 32. Uh, yeah. Look, he should have, he sh- right now, he should have a 70 yard touchdown on his docket. He was five yards behind the Marshall secondary for what should have been an easy touchdown. He was wide open for what should have been a big play against uh, uh, Ohio, not wide open. He had two, three steps on a guy against Ohio State that should have been a 40 plus yard gain. He's gotten open on those throws. The balls just haven't come. If yeah. the quarterback gives him time and he catches in the, and if the quarterback gets time and they let it rip, then sure, he will. He's been open for several. It's just whether or not the quarterback's going to read it and th- get the ball to him. So, yeah, yeah that's that's kind of the question. Occam's razor tells me that at some point it'll happen. So, we'll see. Yeah. Uh, it's Mitch. It, the biggest game this weekend besides Notre Dame, North Carolina, that you're looking towards and thought on who you think will win said game. I think the Tennessee-Florida game for me, Ryan, is probably yeah. the game I'm most intrigued by, and we broke that down earlier. That's of all the games we discussed. That's the one I'm most curious about mm-hmm. because of what we're going to learn about those two teams. That, like, that that would be one of the ones for me. I would also just throw out again the Oregon State USC game. Like that's yeah. an interesting game to me. Like I think that yeah. that's we're going to see if USC is legit, legit, right? If they're going to defy kind of the early odds of them developing that quick. And I'll also, I mean, I'll be rooting for Oregon State. It's not even my USC hatred. Like, I just really mm-hmm. love what Jonathan Smith has been doing with Oregon State. So I'm yeah. really intrigued to see that game. I like teams like that. I like teams that aren't traditionally good, that that get a coach, especially because the storyline's great. Former start, former – like, he's doing it at Oregon State what people thought Scott Frost was going to do at Nebraska. Former player, you know, had some great years under him. You know, are they going to be able to get it going? Um, I mean, I, I think those are – he's doing – he's doing. the question is, does he leave – for anywhere you know but like that's the question i i hope that he doesn't i'd love to see him stay there yep. and, and just continue to have success so it feels it feels like a kyle whittingham kind of fit you know like i hope that's, so yeah, yeah yeah i really hope so i i love i love those type of situations i love guys like gary pat so like it's why i used to always root for tcu not anymore mm-hmm. like screw you gary patterson made you relevant not dennis francione gary patterson yeah. turned down texas at least twice to stay at your stinking little tiny school that no, not nobody else cares about, and then you know what I mean. Like, forget you. Like two, three years after you play for the Big Twelve title, you fire him. Why? Whatever. Forget TCU. 
you know, but schools don't have the same loyalty for coaches as coaches have for schools sometimes, which is why I understand more now more than ever why some kids leave. So anyway, yep. uh, Ryan, that's going to do it for today's show. The uh, mowers just mow- showed up at my uh, parents' house. Nice. So uh, it's going to get really loud here. Uh, and when you've already started to hear it. So that's going to do it for today's show. We went super long. I had fun in the mailbag today, man. So I uh, want to thank everybody for being a part of what we do. Hit that like button. Hit that subscribe button. Hit the notification bell. Share this podcast. And, of course, always like what we're doing at Irish Breakdown. Sign up for the message boards. BoardersIrishBreakdown.com. See you tomorrow, 10 a.m. for the IB Countdown to Kickoff with Sean and Vince. Have a great weekend, everybody. Hopefully, I'll run into some of you down in Chapel Hill this weekend.